0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Vanderbree from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Gooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 most relevant. Every day for the first 50 days of 2023, we talk about who I think are the most relevant players to have a conversation about for your super coach, dream team, and AFL fantasy side. It's been a minute since we've had him on. Okay, it's been two days. But regardless, talking about Tom Green today at number 33, I got fellow co-founder of the coaches panel, Ridsback. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, buddy. How you going? I- I'm good. Look, we'll-, we'll dive into the numbers and the details of, of Tom Green in a second, but There are some guys that you look at them and and they just have this smell about them that maybe they could explode big time for us in 2023.
1: And this guy, he he stinks, doesn't he? He (laughs) absolutely stinks that he's going to be absolute explosion this year.
0: Yeah, like a two-year-old diaper that's needing to get changed. There's a a lot of positive stank about what we're about to find with him. He is just the 21 years of age, midfielder eligible, and last year – There were some really big scores. Career high score in round one of last year across all the formats. It was a 133 against the Swans in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 164 in Supercoach. He couldn't have had a better start to the 2022 season. Despite that, he only managed to sneak the average of 84.9 in AFL fantasy and dream team. It's for those formats, he'll set you back just on 752K in AF, while DT just a fraction over 770,000. While in Supercoach, considerably stronger season, 97.1 was his average, and he's priced at a 534. And Rids, over the past number of years, even since they're contending for premiership errors of 17, 18, 19, and to a lesser extent, maybe twenty twenty, But there was always this narrative of conversation around GWS is their midfield is stacked, so stacked, so many guys running through there. Um, And we saw moments of Tom Green deliver that this guy is going to stand up and do something special, but... Now, and we'll talk more about that narrative of what's changed in a minute. Even in a stacked midfield, Leon Cameron still had to find ways to get this talented bull into the midfield.
1: Yeah, and he he really struggled with Tom Green, I think. Um, mm. so especially late last year. Like, I mean, he wanted to throw green in you know, early days into the midfield, but then he had the captain um playing weird roles, he had Taranto play coming back from injuries. Mm. There was a whole heap of stuff last year that was yeah, it was just odd. Um, some of the calls and some of the way these players were utilized last year. Yeah, it was it was pretty poor, wasn't it? Really, long story short. But I mean, really if you was. if you have a look at Tom Green's stacks though last year. I mean, by I think it was about round ten last year, we were sitting there going, Wow, we third year breakout all day, every day. Mm. And then due to some um questionable decisions by the coach and roles True. later on in the season, and and there was a bit of to and fro in, but I mean there was a bit of um exposing kids, there was a yeah. bit of getting the oldest, but Callum Ward somehow snuck into the midfield rotations at the second half of last year. Yeah, it was like, and I mean, that's likely to actually continue into this. Probably year is from now. the looks of things. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, really, he should have broke out last year. Um, well, the trend
0: was there. And, and you're right, this volatility pops. Cameron clearly losing his job, loses his job. McVeigh comes in, galvanizes the team, tries a lot of things because it's a junior. The, the contrast and parallels between Tom Green and Patrick Cripps were, were evident, we saw moments of that. And even with a weird back half to the year, is safe to say, both in role and game style, he still finished in the league. Um, 14th in the AFL for contested possessions per game, and 20th for handballs. If we look overall at his fantasy numbers uh, across the formats, it was still career-high stats, but he didn't quite reach the the heights that has alluded we all thought he was trending towards. That AFL fantasy and dream team average of 84.9 included six tons, and that career-high round one score of 133. On top of that, three additional scores between 90 and 99 and four more 80-plus. While for Supercoach, 11 tonnes. Five of them over 115, including a 125, 146, and a 167. In addition to those 11 tons, four more scores, 90-plus, on his way to that average of 97.1. But when I look at the splits of how his season went, we start to see this roll. Between round one and five, he averages 124.8 in Coach and 105.8 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. If you expand that out, just a further three games up to round eight, he's still going at a 116.8 in Super Coach and a 99 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. However, over the final five games of the year, the volatility really pops. 78.4 in Supercoach is what he averages in those final five games. And sixty seven in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. And so, while we reap the benefits of it from a price point now. It's fascinating to see how the Giants got this breakout so wrong last year.
1: Yeah, and the weird thing about those stats for the last six games of last year was... Round twenty-two, especially at Supercoach, he came out with the one twenty-five against yeah. the Western Bulldogs, and he had a hundred in you know versus Essendon um the game before. Yeah. So it was like he had, and this was the incredible thing: he had four scores under sixty in Supercoach in his last six games, yeah, and nice. then two hundreds. It was yeah. just, it was crazy. It was madness. No one can really explain what was going through the head of people at the time, um, but I actually think that means to me with the people that are leaving, the yep. more them, you know he's going to have to play midfield because the depth that they once
0: had just isn't there anymore. No, um, it, it's really not, and I'm I'm keen on your take. Like if, if we really talk, put Tom Green up on a pedestal for a moment. Let's talk about that GWS midfield. Taranto out and Hopper out. Two big gaps. How do you see this structure working, not just for Green, but also how the likes of Canelio, Perryman, Ward, how do these guys support him?
1: And and is he the leader? I think what happens, okay, is you build your midfield around Tom Green now. I mean, Tom Green's really that big, bulky guy. I mean, it was perfect you mentioned it before with Crips. You know Matt Crouch a few years ago in Adelaide. There's there's examples of how you can build against the like your midfield around it. But if you have a look at the GWS midfield now, Ward can play multiple roles. Yeah. You've got Kelly can play multiple roles. You've yeah. got Cogs can play multiple uh, roles. Yeah. You've got guys like Whitfield sitting out on the outside. Perryman is the interesting one. But again, Mm. he's more going to be on the wing than not. It's going to be, well, who comes in will be the kids then. So they'll inject some kids into that, you know, invest a bit of time into the midfield minutes. But why would you build that around a Callum Ward, for instance? So you have to build that around a guy who's young and is primed to – Who should have really broke out last year, but is absolutely primed to take that number one mantle in this midfield. I just don't see how Kingsley will break this in any way. He's just going to go, you know what? This is a no brainer. Why don't overthink it? Let's just. And he's going to be, he's got a bit of a honeymoon period, you know. He will. He's probably got a year or two. So he wants to invest those kids, but it's really going to be around green. Sure. Um, it, It has to be. So. And MJ, yes, I'm going to make a call in a couple oh, of minutes' time. Oh,
0: I love when you do this. Well, I'm a big fan of a, a preseason Rids call. So, before I let you loose on that call, I think that the the challenging part for coaches considering him is how do we choose to get him? We, we talked about on the podcast episode yesterday with Mini Monk. We addressed Caleb Sarong and and Tom's Green. Tom Green's name was included in it because we. As we're talking about Sarong, we've got LDU, Green, Chera, Newcombe, Warner, and Sorong, who we revealed yesterday. Even a a, a lucky Whitfield who's maybe not an up and comer, but certainly in this sort of within fifteen to thirty thousand dollars across formats, all these guys are there. I know it doesn't have to be a one for one and you can only pick one, but man, picking the right one might be a challenge for coaches.
1: Yeah, but I I don't. I think this is a perfect example of don't overthink. Like, mm. like I mean, yes, any of these mid prices, as years gone by, have come back to bite you on the bum. You know, sure. like I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. We're only playing a game, but yeah, yeah. you know, the fun aspect of this game is snatching that guy. That is about. If you're going to go back, LDU. Yep. If you want to go back, whoever it is, Sarong, Warple, whoever it is, okay, Green, go yes. and do it. Because these are quality kids. High draft picks, okay, they're going to be, you know, around for the better part of the next 10, 12 years. Yeah. They're going to have teams that are on the rise. Now, and the reality of the situation is, like, GWS can't get much lower from where they fell middle of last year. No, that's true. They've lost that's a couple true. of key, key players, okay, in that build. But they're just going to have to start again. Like, why not uh, back these kids in? Just And there is a changing of the guard. I don't know about is. you, but it feels like it to me a little bit when well, we go in and have a look across the board, especially in Supercoach. Like, uh, I mean, we spoke about this last year, okay? Let's have a look at last year. Sure. The midfield. Once upon a time, it wasn't that long ago, the midfield was just the same names year in, year out. You just start them, you just lock them in, and away you go. Totally. But, but we saw last year, like even the Rory Leeds, the Callum yeah. Mills, you know, the Marcus Bontempellis in Supercoach, Brayshaw. Duke Miller's yeah. Brayshaw started. You know, there was a change in off the guard last year, and I really do believe there's going to be that's going to continue to a what to some sort of you know, um, extent when we move into further this year. Is guys like Sarong, if you have a look at the midfield minutes, and I I haven't actually had time to listen to the Sarong podcast yet, but if you have a look at the midfield minutes, um, with Brayshaw, that net that year. From the year before last Mm. is Sarong this year, if that makes sense. So, all Sarong is missing in that is the midfield extra minutes. Green, we're talking. It was very obvious last year around the change of role, Um, especially late in the season. Yeah, that backs crazy. You know, so I just don't think it's a case of overthinking it. So, if you have a hard on for Sarong or for you, Warner, whoever whoever yeah. it is, just back it in. And you know what? If you miss, you miss. That's the name of the game. Like, There's no guarantee that if you're going to go out and start, uh, let's say, Clayton Oliver, the sure. super coach, that you, he's the one to start. There's no reason why he's the number one. And we sort of – it smells a little bit like, you know, this could be four, five, six new premiums coming of age this year. It really does. All of them, they really, really does have it. And all of these guys are quality, quality players. Like, And they're very enjoyable to watch, MJ. So, well, I
0: look at Green, for example, like that first five or six games of the year that just gives moments of when he's given the opportunity. Here's his possession stats, 31, 34, 29, 17, 34, 25. Five over the first six weeks. Marks, over that same period of time, five, six, three, one, four, one. Tackles, seven, one, four, five, three, nine. And then interestingly, goals, two goals, one behind, two goals, two, two goals, three behinds. Um, and this is where he had that phenomenal start to year. Those are just the first six. It's not even leaning into the first eight, which still has some tons in super coach in there. It's He is such a well-rounded player. He is not just a one-touch clearance player, and that is it. He works so hard on his endurance and his strength and link-up play and ability to be a sc- a goal-kicking midfielder, which is why I think for me, I I look at, you know, we've put Warner, LDU, and yesterday, Sorong. It's why for me, Green's ahead of him is, I go, he's just needing the opportunity. He's already shown he's not got the ability to go huns, hundreds, but he's got the ability to be right in the upper tier of our midfield premiums. So that's why, for me, I've got Green ahead of that. Others might see it differently, and that's fine, but that's why he's there for me. But I'm keen, Ridge. You've teased this big call that you want to make. What is this big call you want to make about Tom Green in 2023? I think Tom Green is a top 10 midfielder
1: on average across the format, and I think he's a top six midfielder and super coach. At the end of 2023. Wow.
0: Well, that would make him irresistible to overlook in your starting squad because you're and, not just getting the scoring, you're getting the benefit of the value too.
1: And I don't mind the big call this early no, in the you year. Don't. I think Tom Green, when people sit down and actually don't overthink it and just work through the pros and the cons. Sure is the easiest selection in Supercoach of 2023 of any player. Wow.
0: Wow. He's a reference point. He's pretty much smack on 100K cheaper than Jack McRae. That's yep. your reference point. He's about 80,000 cheaper than an Andrew Brayshaw in Supercoach. He's around about 70,000 cheaper than Jack Steele. And if you're looking at him in a contrast of who's in that price range, he's still cheaper than Bailey Smith, Cam Guthrie, Jaden Short, Canelio, Brody, McCluggage, Parker. I could go on and on. That's a big call, but I don't think you're that far off the mark.
1: Well, you think about
0: it. If you think through it, really,
1: and if you go looking at people, okay, Tom Green, he he is going to be the mainstay of the midfield this year. He should absolutely be. Okay. Now, who knows? There might be crazy that happens. There might be injury. Who knows? You're right. Totally. But if he stays on the park, there is no reason why – GWS would not want to keep invest in midfield minutes and gain more and more fitness across into Tom Green, even if they're absolutely putrid this year moving forward. yeah. But if you go looking at LDU, okay, let's just sure. pick out LDU, who's very, very comparable in age and Price, everything. Team, else, okay?
0: everything, sure.
1: LDU has... One of the deepest young midfields I have ever seen in my life at it's Melbourne. It's unbelievable. He's, he's got a new coach. Okay, mm-hmm. now LDU flew late last year under a different coach, mm-hmm. so there is no. And I mean, I also think LDU is a little bit. Um, he's he's a little bit more usable in other positions as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Tom Green is at that height. He was even pinch-hitting in the ruck. He was taking last hit out yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And then true. they had him as, uh, I don't know what they were doing late last year, but they had him as a target in the forward <laughs> pinch-hitting in the ruck. <laughs> they had him playing some of the craziest roles, yeah, that I've ever, ever seen. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say LDU oh, is not going to take the next step. That's not what you're saying at all. I'm saying in comparison, there's just I can't see one ounce, one question mark around Tom Green moving into this year. I just can't see it. And maybe I've got the blinkers on or sure. whatever else, but I just don't see it. I don't see how they can do it. Hopper's out, Taranto's out, Brun has gone to um Geelong down the road. Correct. You know? Yes, they've got some kids in, you know, and they've sure. got, you know, guys like Callahan and whoever else coming
0: then, through as but well. But your, your point that you made is, though, he's the leader of the new pack coming through. So if you're squeezing an, a 19- and a 20-year-old in for a 21-year-old kid to get squeezed out, come on. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me. And, just, and again, you go. It's crazy, yeah? And then you go to yourself, well,
1: GWS, they're not really going to be contending this year or next year it's right. going to be in three or four years' time, okay. After losing Taranto and Hopper and so on and so forth. Cameron, the now, of years earlier, yeah. why wouldn't they be building it to hit their peak in three years' time? Correct. Tom Green is only entering his fourth year, MJ. Exactly,
0: exactly. and he I, should I, have really broke out last
1: year, as I keep I, saying. I
0: it's lucky for us. That that mismanagement in our perspective of how he was used in the middle to back half of the year has only made things better for us within the fantasy community. I know some are a little bit concerned about, oh, what is Kingsley coming in and do? Does that mean that he will, like Fly McCrack Collingwood, bring in a version of what Richmond do for a game style? Look, quite potentially that's the case. You'll get an answer about that in the preseason, but the reality is... He's a first and foremost clearance player. And he's got better endurance and athleticism than I think people get give him credit for. And so if anybody is going to be able to deliver a hundred plus year with confidence across the formats, let alone 105, 110, or anything above that, he of all giants could be probably the most trusted to be able to do it given. That's the best role for him. He's got nowhere else he can be at his peak and the Giants have to rebuild around someone. It's just got to be him.
1: MJ, the thing that I get concerned about when people start doing that is they forget what happened with the pies last year, where they actually injected the goy back into the midfield to go and win the ball and get it out to the guys that moved it quick. You can't just go. And I mean, I wouldn't say GWS is lightning quick across the board in no, their midfield, no. but they've got got really quality top-line users of the ball with Whitfield and Kelly and a few Coming, others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they still need to have the ball fed to them. Now, when you look at that GWS line, it really is only cogs. It really is green, and it really yep. is Ward
0: yeah like kelly squeezes in there but yeah you're right there's that there isn't much else and i I think the point you made around the sometimes we do mental jujitsu where we just talk ourselves out of something that all the narrative holds water and at the end of the day if you don't want to pick him at that price range because it's not the way you like to play the game that's totally fine if you like a sarong or an ldu or warner over him that's fine but but to to go the narrative isn't true the the story isn't holding water well it it absolutely is it's why for me i'm very bullish on tom green in multiple formats and certainly when you make the call that you did you could only assume that that's the same for how you're approaching the salary cap formats drafts interesting for me though ritz before we wrap up the podcast episode because it'll probably depend on which format you draft in and the reason i say that is he's pretty much about the 50th ranked midfielder by average last year. Now, that means he'd be a M4, M5 pick. I don't even know if on draft day you'd get him that late in AFL fantasy and dream team formats, whereas in Supercoach, um, he's going to come in a much higher level because he's just shy of 100 average um, in that format and probably not in the top 20 mids that goes first, but he's ranked in the early 30s. But where do you see him going on draft day in 2022, uh, 2023 across the formats?
1: Draft day is hard, but I'd be looking at him around the M2, M3 um, with my planning. Yep. Now, I sort of look at you know a guy like Oli Wines the year before, okay, that would have went very early on last year. I think yes. Cripps would have went reasonably a lot earlier than what he should have. I think even a guy like Keyes out in Adelaide will probably likely go a bit earlier last year than what he should have. Mm. So I would be taking Green as my M2 over any of those, put it that way. Is that in Supercoach or just across uh, the formats? Across the format, mate, yeah. because I just think he is quality. So I just don't see any downside in this at all.
0: Yeah, I, I I think you're right. You And outside of Supercoach where you definitely, if you want him, you've got to go into too, I, I can see you can afford to wait a round or two in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. But the key is if you're bullish on a guy, um, at the end of draft day, where you draft them doesn't matter you have them. And what you don't want to do on draft day, if you're bullish about a player, is keep running the gauntlet of one more round, one more round, one more round, and then risk losing them if you really want them. If you want him, uh, that'll happen. Because again, the timing of your draft is everything. If you do it after he's pumped out a massive pre-season game and goes 130 across the formats, good luck hoping he slides to you at M4, let alone an M3. So those are the factors that are there. And I'm big on have your rankings, know where you want to get them. But if it's a player you really want, you're just going to have to jump a little bit earlier to secure them. How
1: many times do we hear this, MJ, that people go, well, I waited, you know, I should have taken him the round before. I was big on green, but green came out with an average of 115. It's ruined my year. And in draft leagues as well, you don't want to sit there and watch the guy that you were absolutely sold on <laughs> you should have the worst feeling and that you decided against this guy and that guy that that round and went the other guy to the next pick
0: someone's taken him and I see it all the time happens every year happens every year uh, I I I'm with you man I I think if you love a player reach earlier for them than you want them don't go crazy and like make it your first pick but if you if you want a player but it's okay to pay early for them um, because there's no better feeling in fantasy when you back a guy in. There's a little bit of, oh, what are you doing from mates or the fantasy community? And it comes off. That That's one of the great feelings. Hey, Rids, as always, mate, appreciate your work on this podcast and everything you're doing so far in the preseason for the coaches panel community. Easy as, mate. If you want to go and read the article, it is up online for you right now at coachespanel.tv. In 30 seconds, I've got a quick clue for you that's going to help you figure out who you might be just seeing tomorrow in the 50 most relevant. If you're loving these podcasts, leave a nice five-star rating and review wherever you're finding and listening to them. It helps others in the community that are listening to fantasy content discover about the coaches panel. Uh, If you want to go and check out the articles, all of them are there for all the players revealed for the 50. Most relevant right now. It's, it can be found at coachespanel.tv. And you can, of course, support the coaches panel by becoming a Patreon supporter. You'll get exclusive access to a bunch of different things. These podcasts and a bunch of other things early before they go public all the details are at coachespanel.tv and a special thank you to craig dunlop he has just become a premium supporter of the coaches panel through patreon just in the past 24 hours you can join him and be a patreon all the links are at coachespanel.tv so tomorrow we hit number 32 and if you follow us across facebook and twitter i made a comment around the fact that there were a little over a dozen people that have been in the 50 most relevant pretty much every year of the past five years. Uh, Tim, who works with us behind the scenes here at the coaches panel, found the stat. Tomorrow, we're talking about one of those guys. He had a phenomenal 2022 season, but he might not be as high as people think he should be in the 50 most relevant. I'll tell you who they are tomorrow. Give it all, now give it truth up